Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hit the fucking ball. I don't care what foot it's on. If I did that, I would sob myself off. <laughs> I'd donate a week's wages to the charity of Dean Smith's choice. <laughs> You're a professional footballer. Strike the football. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And Jekyll and Hyde, they say. Well, Mr. Edward Hyde, welcome fucking back. I mean, we know the Villa are flaky, but this this was a new low. Like this is against the team. <laughs> this is against the team here, bottom of the table. Twenty-one defeats out of twenty-six. This is a team who took the lead with sixty-five minutes to go and then abandoned, trying to do anything else for the rest of the game. And this was against a team with ten men, and Villa still couldn't come from behind yet again. It remains that. Only against Frank Lampard's Chelsea have Villa come from behind to get anything from a game this season. Frank Lampard's Chelsea. 1-0 against Sheffield United. Had no no intention of getting back into that game by the looks of things. And once again, it's another failure of the imagination from Villa. Another failure of the setup and another failure of the stomach. Welcome to another bloody awful podcast, Liam. Yeah, you, you can't be dropping points to Sheffield United, one of the worst teams to ever finish in the top half of the table. And they tried to improve in that team by buying fucking Rian Brewster for 20 million. <laughs> no quality on the ball. Too many players afraid to make decisions. The rest of them were making bad decisions whenever they did. I've never seen as many overhead crosses in a game of football. Unbelievable. Dreadful stomach churning nonsense. The goal was like so disappointing as well because that's essentially what loses for Villa. Obviously, when you go behind, that's it. You know, Villa don't do anything. Um, I think you made the point that the only game that they have won in which they've conceded was against Liverpool when they scored seven goals. That was way back when, now September. This goal was so annoying because like lovely pass from McGoldrick, but he should be out of the game at that stage. And he's got a long way to go. 
but there's no pressure on the ball over on the left-hand side, so Sheffield United can just stand whilst McGoldrick trundles his way into the box, having thought about, should I keep running, or am I just out of this place? And runs right by McGinn, who is not interested. McGinn actually seems to look away, as if to say, oh, I hope somebody else picks him up. I don't want to have to sprint five metres. That's all it would have been. Elmo decides he's going to take up position behind Konza by playing everybody else on side as well, and for some reason feeling like he needs to help Konza piss off and keep an eye on right back where McGoldrick is now standing waiting to miss hit a ball that he's still going to score like oh just don't concede that just tune in and Villa are nil nil for most of that game like there's no other way Sheffield United are going to score apart from Villa switching off and we just hand them an open net it's a fucking shit goal it's a great ball and run from McGoldrick but the goal comes from a terrible shot drilled past a fucking statue I mean, in the name of God, what are you up to, Elmo? The ball is on Sheffield United's right wing. Your only job now is to stay awake. Just remain conscious and you'll be doing half of your job. But you couldn't even do that. Fucking wake up. There's a professional footballer behind you. He's running. He's not moving slow. He's ran 50 yards. You've had loads of time to see him drifting in there. And it's David McGoldrick. If you put a bit of pressure on him, he's not going to finish this. He's a terrible finisher. <laughs> he did his best to not finish it. That's that's the most annoying thing about it all. And like, if you look at it again, Elbow has just... like Not only is he not keeping an eye on McGoldrick or keeping an eye on the right-back position or the back post. Like, it's not even a right-back position. It's a back post. He's just standing behind Kanza. When I say behind, I mean between Kanza and Emmy Martinez. I don't know what he's doing there. Like As I said, he's playing everybody onside. And he's helping out somebody who doesn't need helping out. Somebody whose body positioning is perfect. He's got his man with one hand. He can see the ball with the other hand. Fuck off, Elmo. Like, get back and cover the back post. Where Emmy Martin is, assumes that his right back is covering. Whenever you're there, just do something as well. He fucking moves away from the ball. Just toe poke it away. You're, like, you, you, ha- you can't let the ball run behind you when you're in your own fucking six-yard box. Christ almighty. And I don't even want to come up with any excuses, but um, very frustrating. The Watkins chance, like, yet again, like, how sorry do you feel for Watkins tonight? God almighty. And I don't even know why, like, the, the whole game plan isn't just, like, get the ball to Watkins early and often. Just sicking him with ball, because I don't think there's such a thing as sicking him with the ball. Playing the ball, he'll hold it up, he'll find somebody else. The only fault in that system is that Watkins has to find somebody else who then generally fucks it up. But, um, yeah, he gets the ball, turns around. Like, again, his uh, intent and his liveliness when he gets the ball, he's just moving straight away. He's, he's making the defenders shit themselves. And then he just gets cleaned out. VAR's not interested. And, like, on one hand, like, that that's annoying, all right, but... I'm actually just a bit more annoyed at the referee here. Like, is yeah, it it is frustrating yet again that VAR don't intervene there, and they, I would like to say they redeemed themselves by looking at the red card, but you know that's what they should be doing anyway. They just didn't bother doing it for this one, and and and, and that's sort of allowed because because the referee isn't just making the decision. The referee can see that he's been wiped out, and he's almost leaving it to VAR, but VAR. And again, don't want to give them too much credit, but they do have to consider, well, is it worth interrupting the game for? Is it worth overruling the referee? Is it in the box? There are a few more stipulations there. The ref 
is just ignore him. <laughs> what is basically premeditated GBH? Like he's well, he's either ignoring it or he can't see it, and I don't know which is worse. Yeah, there's there's as little interest in playing the ball as there was in reviewing it. But there's there's no attempt to play the ball. It's a foul. Like I didn't think we'd end up in a position where professional referees you're on full-time contracts in the biggest league in the world with the benefit is of many replays as they fucking want because they are willing to stop the game for eight minutes, it seems. <laughs> I never thought we'd end up in a position where they'd end up adopting the Sunday league. Get on with it. It's a man's game approach to officiating. I mean, for fuck's sake, he's nowhere near the ball. I mean, it was nearly all worth it for Joe Cole exclaiming that anywhere else on the pitch, that's a penalty. Uh, uh, Joe, it has to be in the box for it to be a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> what about the what about the Kanza attempt? I'm, I'm flying through this top of the show because I want to get onto WhatsApp wins. You can guess that they are going to be pretty pretty stocked. But um, poor Ezri Kanza, amazing touch of his left foot from a corner. Nice connection with his left foot. Uh, Keeper's actually gotten a bit lucky with his save, and Barkley obviously isn't awake to follow up. Yeah, like it's absolutely brilliant from Kanza, and nobody would have deserved it more than him. Well, maybe Ollie Watkins, but Kanza was again absolutely imperious tonight. He was he was brilliant, and that touch and volley just just summed up the man. He's absolutely quality. But that's about as positive as we're going to get. Let's get into WhatsApp winches. Of course it's a fucking red card. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I thought it was a baffling decision from the, the VAR to show the ref freeze frame. I mean, you see the replay at full speed, and you really have to think that Sheffield United get very lucky with the decision to give the red card and have Phil Jagielka taken out of the firing line. <laughs> we, would have been, we would have been much better off of him getting away with it. It just tightened them up. They were up a goal and they had something to protect. And they had fucking Phil Jagielka off the pitch now. <laughs> All I was hoping for was that they might just get filled with a sense of dread and hopelessness. Here we go again. You know, because they're relegation fodder. Like, if he can't score against a team with a 38-year-old Phil Jagielka on the pitch for 60 minutes, then you don't deserve anything if we're all being honest with ourselves. But this is it. Like, they were crying out to be spanked in that game. Like, the... The first half was especially annoying as well. Like, yet again, Villa... Like, whatever about the result, Villa didn't play well again. And, um, like, the way that Villa started the match, I was a bit surprised. Like, oh, like, you know, we've got a bit of space here. El Ghazi... I thought it was one of El Ghazi's better games, but I think it was because he was allowed time and space to to play some tight football, which normally he can never pull off. But that was because Sheffield United players just crawling around. Like like I said, they had the last 21 games out of 26 like they're done their season's over they're like all you have to do is put a put a bit of pressure on them and they'll crumble and Villa just didn't take that like Sheffield United especially and I'm sure nobody will watch this game back but the first 20 minutes they were dandering around begging to be put out of their misery yet again like it's just an, a midweek match don't want to be playing against a team here going for Europe and Villa didn't know what to do with all this time and space and the lack of intensity when they were faced with it. And Villa let Sheffield United stroll in and then suddenly the boys of Sunday, as you say, cling on to. It was, um, uh, like we said, it was, it was 
the lack of bite yet again from Villa was was disappointing, but like really, really fucked him over in this match particularly. Yeah, if you get a goal against Sheffield United, you win the game. That's it. That's just what happens. They're fucking yeah. dreadful. Their confidence is gone, obviously. They've only beaten West Brom, Man United, and some other <laughs> some other team. I don't fucking know who it was. <laughs> but like, you know, they're they're absolutely fucking shit and they're just desperate, desperate to get the game over with. Unless you let them score first. And that's what makes all the fucking chances in the first half all the more hard to take. Yeah. Second WhatsApp wins. We might as well just fucking record this podcast right now. Sixty-fifth <laughs> uh, minute would be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> half time, like half time, like Villa. Not a great first half. Gone one nil down. We know the story. Like you know, Villa don't respond, <laughs> and they didn't really. They, they might have looked like they had a bit of a response because Sheffield United were camped in their box, but they didn't. They didn't show anything new. They didn't do anything to put them under pressure and we would have saved ourselves 45 minutes of time and headaches uh, if we had to just started recording a podcast this podcast could already be out for people to listen to and we could just be as angry and as annoyed <laughs> we could have just taken that gamble and it would have paid off yeah but the ronnie rossenthal award won't be quite as laid up as it is gonna be <laughs> yeah. i'm actually just seeing it here it is one two three four five six yeah it's probably more than we've ever had uh, third WhatsApp winch. Can these two pricks not cross the ball without hitting it over everyone's head? What the fuck was that about? How many times did that happen? I Just somebody running backwards with a ball floating. Like, why are you even running? The ball's 10 yards over your head. Don't bother chasing it. Just look over at your man, give him the fucking fingers and get on with the rest of the game. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? That was unbelievable. And like the amount of times it went out for a goal kick as well. So the two pricks in question are El Ghazi and Ferrari. So they're cutting inside, trying to float it in or, or, or drill one in and just kept bouncing over. Like poor Watkins again is will anticipate balls and he'll, he'll make someone out of half, half chances. But they're just floating them out of play every time. And uh, yeah. Fourth WhatsApp wins. Do these two pricks have to foul every time they lose the ball? <laughs> yeah, it seemed that way, didn't it? I assume you're talking about John McGinn and Marvellous Nakamba. John McGinn and Marvellous Nakamba, yeah. And um, I had three initially. I had Ferrari in there, but he only did it once, and it was just a particularly annoying one where he tried to take a pass on one and hacked at him, so I cut it down to two. Like I, I, felt, I felt sorry for Troy whenever he did that because he was obviously so pissed off of everything that was happening on the pitch, and I fucking hope his own performance. The the McGinn and the Canberra thing's annoying because it's it's Sheffield United. Like fair enough against Leeds, hack them down and get back. Grant, but you're one 0 up against Sheffield United. They've 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 cut the ball back. There's nobody up top. Don't worry about it. Just run back and get it off him. You're supposed to be the two live wires. And besides, Kanza and McGinn are there looking unshakable. They'll just take it off him. Kanza like... and Mings are there looking unshakable. McGinn. Kanza <laughs> and Mings. Yeah. McGinn was definitely shook. Yeah, like, what are you doing? They all know a counter attack with Ollie McFucking Bernie. <laughs> Let them have it. It's grand. Kanza's about to get the ball. Um, Fifth. WhatsApp wins. 
fucking do something. <laughs> I was... One of the most annoying things about that game was just seeing Villa players standing on the ball, looking around. Like, that. It. I know there's 10 defenders there, but it's 10 Sheffield United defenders. And again, with no forwards on the pitch. Just try it. Play the through ball that you're, that you're turning down. You're 1-0 down and you don't want to fuck this up. You can't afford to drop points against Sheffield United. I get it. So you don't want to take any chances. But that is exactly the time you have to take chances. Whenever you're playing against a shit team and you're 1-0 down and there's no space, take the fucking chance. Try to thread the pass. I actually have that. So it's sort of doubled up. I have that in the You Like Glenn We Didn't Take a 90th Minute Penalty Award category. And it's just... Just what you're saying, Villa have too many static players, and I get it. Like, yeah, you're right. Tonight, it's it's harder when when you have eleven players sitting back, but or ten. But this is a a recurring theme, and it, it really hamstrings the team. And I think it's papered over a little bit. Like, and I've mentioned this before. When Grealish has the ball, there's too many people just stopped watching him. But when Grealish isn't there, these numpties have the ball, and they're all stopped with the ball, and. It really like puts them under pressure, and like elbows a big one, like target is one, like and again that that's fine. Like we we just want target to cross it, apart from tonight. But when he's standing there and Chef United have everybody back, Kanza is one, and again like obviously he's your centre half, but by him standing over the top of the ball and Chef United closing him down, he ends up going back to Martinez or Mings, you know, and Villa just lose their their shape and and Chef United get pressure relieved by these players static over the ball McGinn is one of the biggest perpetrators of it and like that's that's four players in naming already out of 10 outfielders who who stand over the top of the ball we know that Barkley does it because he just likes pretending like he's going to pass you know like when when that's happening and you're not moving with the ball you're not you're not changing any any shape or pattern You're, you're not bringing anybody towards you there's a reason why Grealish is so good at football because he always changes the picture and he gets a different picture for himself as well because he moves and then by him moving he draws people to him and that changes the picture for everybody else around him but if everybody is standing still then nothing changes and it becomes very predictable and then the game becomes crossing it into 10 Sheffield United players who head it out yeah and this this is a persistent problem of Aston Villa this season this is the reason why they can't win from losing positions they've gone all in in slowing the game down that's Villa's game plan it's just to control the game with possession and then quick turnarounds whenever you whenever you have it whenever the opportunity is there but it's to wait for the opportunity but whenever you concede first those opportunities ain't fucking coming yeah because the other team isn't giving you space anymore they're willing to defend 30 yards out from their own box they're not trying to get the ball back why would they they're winning the game and they're playing against a team that has no fucking ideas. But the, the one of the most annoying things about tonight as well was at the end of that game, we had three attacking midfielders, three purported attacking midfielders on the pitch at the end of the game. And Anwar Al-Ghazi and two centre-forwards. Yeah. Why the fuck weren't we trying stuff? The one time we actually tried something was when McGinn played a nice pass through to Barkley whose body position was terrible. He was he was through in the box, but the way he received the ball, it's sort of left-hand side of the box, but he's 
probably about 10, 10 yards out, maybe about four yards to the left of the post. And he's received it with his sort of like a shielding from the rest of the box and like, you know, tr- trying to ward off anybody that might be coming in to put him under pressure. Nobody was putting him under pressure. He just didn't look. And therefore, he ha- ended up having to sort of come out again with the ball. Like, it's, uh, uh, that was that was the one time the Villa tried to thread something through rather than just swing it in and hope something will happen. Yeah, th- th- and there was a lot of instances as well where there was lip service being paid to, you know, speeding up the game. But it was just invariably Mings or McGinn drilling the ball out to El Ghazi on the wing. I mean, like, it doesn't matter how quickly you get it out to him. He's just going to overhit the cross anyway or just hit it into 10 Jeff United players in the box. This is pointless. It doesn't matter how quickly you get the ball out to him. He's in space. It's grand. You can play that out to him at your leisure. Next WhatsApp wins. Remember I said that fullbacks should be fined every time they try to cross the ball and it goes out for a, a goal kick? John McGinn should be fined every fucking time he tries a crossfield ball. <laughs> like, when's he going to learn? Like, does, does it have to be a goal for this to... like? Because every time he does it, it's almost a goal, like, and it doesn't seem to be teaching him. So maybe, maybe we should actually just take one, like just sacrifice a game that we're going to end up sacrificing anyway. Every other game, basically, that is. So just in two games' time, now, let's just say, right, we're going to lose this match anyway by all all the laws of the season. Let's uh, let McGinn try one of those crossfield balls again, <laughs> and then everybody stand down. Do you, know, do you know, like gladiator, like shield your sword. Like, just, just teach this man a lesson. Let him get his comeuppance. Like, nobody needs to stand down because his comeuppance are coming. If he keeps trying this, he <laughs> is going to be severely punished with it. And he nearly got caught out really badly tonight. And you're right, maybe it would have been a good thing had it happened. Sheffield United's goal would have come a lot earlier and we would have had a lot more nonsense to watch. So that might have been the bad outcome of it, but at least we would have learned our lesson. Last last WhatsApp wins and I had really gone into the, the pits by the end of it. Bye bye Grealish, bye bye Kanza, bye bye Douglas Louise. <laughs> oh Christ. You know I don't like talking about how this season's gonna go. You know I don't like want to I don't want to think about what we have to achieve to keep Jack Grealish. I don't want I don't want my mind to be going there, particularly not at the minute whenever I'm still in the morning phase of his injury. So is that, is that you just batting it off? That's me just batting it off. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not contemplating the idea that Villa are going to sell their best players. I don't think they are. I mean, Villa have to be realistic here. There's big. There's big chance to you know, to be challenging at least in the top six constantly because there's there's a lot of teams above them that Villa should be easily able to get to the level that it'll take a few investment cycles on players but like you know Villa are as big a club bigger than Spurs and Leicester you know we can we can catch up with those teams and I just don't want to believe that that's at risk because we've got two or three gems that other teams might just pick yeah well we'll leave it at that we've got um, a lot of awards to give out Let's go. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing. Oh, who, who was it that said? 
there was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, Ron? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship. Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. The Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Oh, fuck off, Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> the Ronnie Rosenthal slash WhatsApp wins award. <laughs> <laughs> Which chance is this dedicated to? This is the fuck off chance that, like, the... The Watkins gets up for the header. Gee, like, again, poor old Ollie Watkins gets up, drops down. This is this is the sort of goal that Shirori has been scoring all season. The ball's just dropped him six yards out and he puts it away. He slides into it and hooks it in. This time he just misses the ball from six yards out. Pathetic. Yeah. Hit the fucking ball. I don't care what foot it's on. If I did that, I would sub myself off. <laughs> <laughs> I donate a week's wages to the charity of Dean Smith's choice. Was, you're a professional footballer. Strike the football. And that was one of those ones where I was almost shut up because, you know, I'm watching all these crosses thinking, what is the point of this? And then you know, Watkins makes something of it and then gets up again for a second bite. And there it is. It just drops down. The point is the Sheffield United are crap. And those chances are going to come. And Ferrari, because it's on his right foot, is going to miss the ball completely. Fucking disgraceful. Uh, second one. Fuck off, Ferrari. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is um, a piece of brilliance from Ferrari, who then, you know, he takes a pass. I think it might have been four men in the end. And it looked... No, in fairness, there was the position he got himself into, it wasn't as hard. But it looked like initially that him getting that much of an angle or getting the ball that far over would have been the toughest part. Like, I thought that would be his biggest concern, trying to get it so far to the left to get away from the keeper. Then he was able to do that and then someone hit it past the post. And, oh, when he's done all that again, just, just put it away. And, and, like, you know, we'd be raving about him for the next 10 weeks. Yeah, and Ramsdale is Ramsdale for a start, but he's also he's also just standing in the middle of goals. He knows yeah. he's fucked. He doesn't have to put that much on it. He doesn't even have to place it that far into the corner. He can just take his time and roll that into the bottom corner. I mean, it is absolutely incredible from him. And this is what makes Big Bertie T so hard to resist. He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> you know that ultimately he's really bad for you. But my God, is he delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet <laughs> I definitely I definitely have sympathy with them because because yeah is it worth it you know it might sate my appetite for a while but you know I'm only I'm only 
I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My my waistline's getting a bit out of control, and maybe it's not overall. It's not it's not the best thing for me. And this all feeds back into that idea. It's like, does he know or care that the point of playing football is to win matches? He's just having fun out there, and yeah, it's it's very enjoyable eating the burger. But like Bertrand Terori, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs> The I mentioned the Barkley body, but I, I like I think that's close to winning this award j- just because of again I, I I hate when these chances present themselves and they never even result in a chance. So McGinn plays a nice pass through. It looks like he's about to do that cross again for the for the twentieth time, and then he just threads a pass through to Barkley, who is facing away from goals and comes back out and ah oh, like just just frustrating. I have McGinn pulling one wide on his right foot. I don't really think. That's that's a nomination. But ah, that's come on. Nah, McGinn has to score. He's got so much time. You think so? The, the defender stops because he's afraid of giving away a penalty. McGinn has time. He's time to set himself. He has time to wind his foot up. He's time to pick a spot. He has time to fucking relax and realize <laughs> it's Ramsdale that's in goals for Sheffield United. <laughs> and he just absolutely shanks it. I mean, I think that's a, a terrible miss from McGinn. Yeah, maybe I. I think because it was bouncing and it was on his right foot, I, maybe I just just wait for it to come down. Then, like, yeah. like you could see him; he's winding his leg up. Like he, he's got so much time; it's, it's it's disgraceful. I don't care if it's his right foot. If that's me and my left foot, I'm scoring that. Hit the fucking ball properly. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say it's Ramsdale in goal again. <laughs> Ollie Watkins, uh, this isn't a nomination, but his his amazing header off the joint. Like, another bad cross. I don't even think it was for him. And just the way he's managed to react and flick that completely in the opposite direction. Well, like, he's facing where the ball is coming from diagonally, and he's managed to loop it over his head in off the joint. So unlucky. Um, Not nominated for this, obviously, but worth mentioning. Uh, Morgan Sanson's first touch at the edge of the box. Like, what, what does this lad want to announce himself to Aston Villa fans? There it is. Like, Sheffield United have been penned in the whole game. They've gone deeper than they've had to in a long time. You have got the ball now at the edge of the box. And his touch takes it 10 yards behind him and he has to run back and poke it out to somebody. So fucking shit. So annoying. Dick, you, Dick, what do you want to do here? You've got so many options. Don't do that! <laughs> Um, I assume it's Terori who wins this, though. Oh, without a doubt. Get fucked. You like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. The same team. Picking the same team. Like, this actually takes away from his setup against Leeds, which I thought was brilliant. It thought it through. It was the perfect team to play against Leeds. Brought in Nakamba. Brought in Ramsey, gave them energy, didn't get undone, weren't stupid. The whole shape worked out well. It was perfect for the Leeds game. And then he just played the exact same team because it worked against Leeds. You're playing Sheffield United. Aaron Ramsdale is in goals. <laughs> like, you know, like Ramsey wasn't even good against Leeds, but he was he was important for the, the energy and, and and the shape. But like, you know, he could have looked at that and thought, you know what? I gave him I gave him 90 minutes and he wasn't amazing. Like, maybe I'll change that. Do you know what? Maybe I don't need Nakamba to keep an eye on Flick and Lundstrom and whoever else is running through the middle. 
like maybe 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 I can use some better players here. But he played the exact same team, and yeah, it was not right for this game at all. Yeah, it could have changed all three midfielders. I mean, a midfield of Louise, Sanson, and Barkley would have been perfectly justifiable tonight. Yeah, You're playing against Sheffield United, it's grand. They're they're absolutely terrible. You can play two ball playing, three ball playing midfielders, and not lose anything. Sheffield United aren't going to cause you any troubles that you need to have Nakamba on there and your two most energetic midfielders. That's just it's not forgivable to to be putting out the same team for two completely different opponents, especially when your midfield looks so tired and jaded over the last couple of months. Just you know, keep freshening it up. Just keep drip dropping players in and out. Like, what does McGinn have to do to get dropped from this team? Or get rested, even? Yeah, McGinn's a strange one. Like, I saw, again, it's a byproduct of when you win and everybody's delighted. And, you know, everybody gets thought of a bit more highly. But I saw people saying, oh, that was McGinn back to his best. I thought, what an insult. You know, it's against Leeds. Like, what an insult to John McGinn and everything that he has been. He wasn't wasn't bad against Leeds but he didn't do much again it was like Ramsey it was important for for that shape like it, it was important for Dean Smith's setup for this game against Leeds and we had done enough to one we got ahead crucially and then we held on to it like thank god then we had McGinn and Ramsey to keep that keep that setup but I, I don't know what is the answer because McGinn I'm not I don't even want to pick on him too much but you're right like to say a rest even and just to freshen it up like give him like, we're going at it hard for a long time now since the COVID break. Like, give him a, a game out, even just mentally, to get him fresher coming back in. Like, at the minute, he's just trudging along. And, you know, we thought bringing three into the middle would would help. But then I'm just seeing him standing over the top of the ball and, and hooking it with his left foot. And, yeah, it's like that that's not the, the John McGinn that we need or want. And, yeah, and just after he... He had a perceived good game as well. And you're playing, luckily enough, Sheffield United next. That's the game you can take him out and rest him for. Yeah. Um, Second nomination for the ULEC Glen Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. 67 minutes without a change. 67 minutes. Like, we, like to be ruthless, you could have decided to intervene there very early on because you saw the way this was going, how... how how many more games we have to play this season like that to see that we need earlier intervention? At halftime, I genuinely assumed there'd be a quick change here because this is this is terrible. He's probably delighted to get them back in. Let's let's change something. You could you could tell it wasn't going to work for Ramsey, and you could tell that Nakamba was now completely redundant to this match, and just sat on his hands yet again. I got we got an email from from Liam actually. Uh, so anybody wants to send an email get us at thevillapodcast at gmail.com always welcome he's asked a load of questions but the one that stood out for me is what the fuck do the lads be chatting about in the stands before making subs inevitably too late and like I completely agree with that like what are we waiting on like, like again half time the fact that the change wasn't made is mad 55 minutes mad sending off mad like you know he's sending off and you're still playing the Kemba and Ramsey who's not doing anything and we wait another seven minutes, 23 minutes to go in the game before we decide to chase it against Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, the pattern of play is established as soon as McGoldrick gets that goal. Yeah. And then you make it to half time, and you're absolutely guaranteed that that is just going to be dug in 
so you can definitely now make changes. And you could have taken off the Canva whenever Sheffield United scored because you're now chasing a game against a team that are not going to be doing anything. So what the fuck do you want the Canva there for? And then half time, make the change. Nah, I'm all right. Send it off, make the change. Nah, we'll be grand. We're still we're still hanging on to the hope that we can just bring Trezeguet on again in the seventieth minute. What the fuck are you doing? Bring on your attacking midfielders that are on the bench. Get them on. Get Davis on. Get them on early. Sheffield United aren't leaving their box. What are they talking about up there? Like, because there seems to be a bit of confusion as well, or maybe a lot of debate. But the commentator just kept mentioning all these different people who were about to come on. And I was trying to figure out in my head, like, what the fuck? What, what way are we going to play? He mentioned Davis very early on. It sounded like Davis and Barkley. And I was like, he's a bit early for Davis. Then Trezeguet was mentioned. You know, it was just like all these players that were, were being thrown in. And like, it, it took another 10 minutes before any of them came on. But yeah, it was Sanson and Barkley in the end. Do you know? And, and like, there's, there's Trezeguet apparently about to come on. And there's Davis apparently about to come on. Like, what, what is the plan B? I don't know, and like I said, we we've got we've got options now for Plan B, and we we just we could we just should have taken off Ramsey and the Camba much earlier than we did. That was just that was begging to be done a lot earlier on in the game. You could have taken like Bertrand Trory looked dangerous at times, but you could have taken him off at any time you wanted because it wasn't going to happen for him tonight. He was all over the place. Yeah. Gazi was okay. There, there was changes there to be make, made. There was changes to the shape. And like I said, Sheffield United aren't leaving the box. So get players onto the pitch who are going to fucking join them in there. Yeah. I have the Villa player static on the ball, also nominated for this. Like, <laughs> One of the best things about watching Villa games when I'm in a better mood is listening to Dean Smith, you know, roar when there's a ball over the top, like telling Ollie Watkins to go chasing. He, never, he doesn't have to do that for Watkins, but anytime there's a chance for somebody to chase or close down, like you hear Smith and his voice booming out through the empty stands. Like, where's the roar for when somebody's just standing over the top of the ball, waiting to poke it back to Martinez? Like, you tell them to get moving. Take it past somebody, the thing will open up. And then just finally, like, crossing the ball, I have written down here, like, <laughs> there has to be some other plan there, like, rather than just lumping this thing in. It's obviously not working. No, crossing the ball is the easy option that players who are indecisive take whenever they're faced with two banks of four that's yeah. what they do they go down the side because that's where the space is because that's exactly what the defending team wants you to do and whenever you don't have courage on the ball that's what you end up doing whenever you're indecisive that's what you end up doing because you don't have the opportunity to move the teams around because you haven't moved the ball quickly enough but as well the villa players were were just abdicating the responsibility to go get the ball as well they were all just standing there looking at the lad on the ball. So it wasn't yeah. always his fault. Yeah. There was no second runs. If anybody made a first run in the fucking first place, they were finishing it and then standing there waiting for somebody else to move. It was just pathetic on the ball, off the ball, and just decision-making, quality on the ball. Everything about that performance was fucking infuriating. Uh, you can set your clock by it at this stage. I've got a joint... Joint winner for this. It's the same team, and it's the lack of changes for sixty-seven minutes. Like it's, it's unforgivable to play the same team, having set it up so well against Leeds. To, yeah, to go out and do the same thing against Sheffield United, and it's 
as unforgivable to to not change anything for 67 minutes given all the circumstances on top of playing terribly so um yeah joint winners for that i've got a new category liam oh the julian lescott jesus fucking christ award (laughs) (laughs) the throne ming send out a tweet of his new lamborghini (laughs) you know that that's what i thought of then but I was just trying to think of a player who annoys me. And uh, this is basically another excuse to squeeze in some more WhatsApp winges. But Lescott was the one that came to mind. The quickest and the the clearest. So he's his name is just attached itself to the Jesus fucking Christ tag. I've got three nominations. Per Matt Target, who's been playing well, just for just for his pass to Gazi towards the end. <laughs> kicks it out for a goal kick. Simple pass. Agassi's he's not free, but he, well, he is free. He's, he's there to, to cross the ball. It's not going to work anyway, but the target just overhits it by about 10 meters and it goes out of play. It's like, you know, there's no excuse for that pass. And again, it's one incident in a match, but in a match as frustrating as that, I'm sorry, son, you're up for this award. Overhits it in the wrong direction as well. There's not even a good shape on the pass. He doesn't even yeah. get his foot around it. There's no bend on it. And he has loads of time, and he's got loads of space to hit. It's fucking shambles. Morgan Sanson trying to pass to Ollie Watkins down the channel, hits it out for a throw-in. But the worst thing about that is he looks too late. Then he sees Watkins. Then he, he deliberates, so Watkins sort of stops. Then he passes it, thinking, i better pass it to the striker. Like, if you're passing it there anyway, you know, it's a pointless pass. Watkins has to work some sort of miracle to get that back out to you, probably. You know, it's just just a weird decision, and then like just compounded by by his cross at the end that ballooned over everyone. Like he had the last chance to put it back into the box, and just another one of those ones that bounced out past the the left back. Yeah, it was a, a microcosm of the night. A bad decision executed too late and poorly. <laughs> but he's not winning this award. There's only one winner, and I think it's John McGinn for trying the same fucking cross over and over and over again just standing 30 meters out static on the ball on the left hand side i'll try floating this in nobody will get their head hit and i'll try again in a minute's time i mean the worst thing about the crosses was it didn't even look like they were trying to play it in the general direction of a villa player yeah it just looked like they were trying to put a ball with a decent shape into the box. That's exactly what they were doing. You know, g- give Ollie Watkins a chance of winning this. Play it in front of him. Don't just toss it into the box and hope that somebody's there. And this is probably why, say, Matt Target's crosses were uncharacteristically terrible tonight. Because, just, yeah, <laughs> the home team had everybody just in the box. Villa had nobody free, and then they had nobody outside of that moving anybody around. So then Target, who normally just picks out somebody and drills it at them in the box, is now just yeah trying to float that nice shaped cross in, and it's going to nobody. But yeah, you know McGinn was a McGinn's had nice shape to them, but the fact that it was always him just doing it, and he knew that nothing was going to come of it, was almost as bad as those ones that hit the first man and those ones that were overhit over the top of everyone. Almost as bad as McGinn's decision twice to have a spank from 35 yards out (laughs) that he just wound his leg up for and just said to everybody, by the way, I'm about to shoot. Everybody on red alert, close me down. Yeah. Everybody in the Sheffield United back line comes sprinting out at me. I'm still going to do it anyway. (laughs) 
I'm sure that he has the record for shots blocked from 40 meters out. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets blocked from, from taking a shot that far out. Usually it's like, what? Jesus. Catching people off guard or just, yeah, go ahead, mate, whatever. The Vyman meter. I have four people who aren't going down, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have to go through the people going down, but the person going down the most, and you can disagree if you want, is Jacob Ramsey. Don't want to get at him. We we know know, he's he's got something about him. He's nice touch. He's he's physically really good but you know he's given his second start in a row here it's a chance for him to go and make something of it Barkley has played himself right out of favor <laughs> you know it's 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 Ramsey's to go take and make his own and oh, he, he wasn't good tonight yeah he was he was really disappointed but I'm, I'm sure he's as disappointed as I am in his performance because you're right like you've, you've been given the chance now this is your shot if he doesn't think Sanson's ready yet, Barkley couldn't be playing worse. Come on. You, like, you're playing Sheffield United. Fucking up your game, pal. Aren't Ramsdale's in goals? <laughs> so, the people going up... Oh, look at it now, saying going up sounds very kind. People not going down. I've got El Ghazi. I, I, I genuinely thought it was one of his better games, and I think if he's... <sighs> It's easy to remember the last 20, 25 minutes when it was just floated in, floated in to 10 red and white shirts. But I guess he was better tonight. Than, like He was tidier. He was cleaner. Mm. You know, he, he made the right decision. He was enjoying himself. He was coming inside and going to the other side. And yeah, his corners were good. Uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I was happy with Algazi tonight. Yeah, but he also had the last 25 minutes as well. I mean, oh, no. that was the most important part of the game and the most frustrating. And let's not forget, it was the end of the game as well, so I can't fucking forget it. <laughs> Going up, Mr. Ollie Watkins. You know, surely we should just take him off the, the scale at this stage. Um, Yeah, like just another flawless performance, basically. Should have, should have had a penalty. Very, very unlucky. Like, Probably as unlucky as you get for not scoring. Like you just couldn't have done things any better there. Uh, even his left-footed shot was, you know, it, it's he it puts it in a perfect position with a perfect power that the keeper's going to parry it out. Well, and knowing that the keeper's Ramsdale as well. Yeah, um, big Bertie T's movement for that was bad. He has to, he has to know there. He's pulling, he's pulling out for a pullback from Ollie Watkins that he can't possibly play. You have to, like, whenever you're making a run, you have to understand what the player on the ball can actually do with it as well. Yeah. He, he can't pass that ball from the where it is and from what his body position is. It's like those Muppets who go running in behind space going, over the top, over the top. I can't play. There's somebody standing right in front of me. Do you think I can play that pass to you? <laughs> Grow up. You're in space, but it's space that nobody can find. Going up, Tyrone Mings, just because this is off the back of four class games now. And yeah, he's just... He is that, that defender that we've been crying out for him to be. Again, way easier night, but ah, he looks so comfortable. And ah, his, his heading was on point tonight. Like, you know, f- when he was 40 metres out from his own goal, just finding a midfielder of his head because Sheffield United were so deep. So it allowed Villa to attack quicker. His passes were really good. He was the one that was providing a bit of urgency with the passes, I thought. You know, finding El Ghazi and finding target down the left. 
um, trying to find Watkins with like sharper passes along the ground. Yeah, like I think I think he's definitely not going down. Maybe I, I didn't have Kanza here, but he's not going down as well. Uh, Kanza and Mings definitely aren't going down. They were both absolutely solid and made Sheffield United's shit forwards look shit on a lot of occasions whenever they tried to counter attack. A couple of times they tried to run at them. You're on your own against two of the best defenders, two of the fastest, two of the strongest defenders in the league. Fucking grow up. Just hold the ball up. Run into the corner or something. Don't run at them, you maniac. <laughs> Is that one when Mike Burney just went that at Kanza? Who's like, oh, the shape of his body is perfect. And he just steps into the ball and steps away with <laughs> Bernie goes flying past him. And it it looked disappointed at the challenge that was offered to him. Like, you know, are you are you fucking for real? This is what you're you're throwing against me? Like it must be especially annoying for those two lads tonight to think that <laughs> to think that the European challenge is dead. <laughs> yeah, that McBurney moment was absolutely hilarious in what was an otherwise depressing night. I've got one more uh, going up because he's probably not been high up at all. He's probably been very low, actually. Keenan Davis, he didn't get a lot of time. He didn't. He, he did impact the game because I thought he gave us... He, he, he held the ball in the middle of the, of the pitch. Well, not in the middle of the pitch, but in the center of the attack. And he picked passes to people in the center of attack, which we definitely weren't getting because we were just lumping balls in. And when he, he did start taking a couple down and... I don't remember him not finding somebody with it. Yeah, and he created a chance soon after he came on as well. Yeah, Big Keenan was okay. It was must have been really frustrating for him and, and Ollie Watkins in those last 20 minutes, but they both kept trying and they both... Ah, like they did what they could, but that was very little. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Why do fullbacks let the ball go out for throw-ins as if they're class? <laughs> This was one, like, you know, Elmo, <laughs> Sheffield United players tried to clear it. Again, Sheffield United are so deep. There's loads of space around there. And Elmo just, you know, pretends like he's about to take a touch and walks past it and lets it bounce out of play. And I was like, well, well done. Now you have to go back and, and get it. And Sheffield United have pushed up. <laughs> You've just given yourself less options and you slowed the play down. We're like, hurry up, take the touch and just find the man and keep playing. This is football after all, not throwing ball. <laughs> Look, the way Almo played tonight, I was happier whenever the ball was in his hands because he was just <laughs> invariably going to kick it straight into the first man anyway with a fucking terrible cross. <laughs> That's actually something that um that our emailer, Liam, sent us. He said, what did Gilbert do that pissed Dean, Dean Smith off so much? I don't know. For me, there's much of a muchness between Gilbert and, and Elmo. Like, it's like, well, whatever. Whoever. Like, I want my cash plan, no matter what. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm... Well, I probably have a slight preference for for Gilbert, especially after tonight, because I always thought, oh, well, at least Elmo's better going forward, but he could not have been worse on yeah. the ball tonight. It was dreadful. Is Paul Scholes on drugs? <laughs> what, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> could be anything, I get you. Recent interview, I think it was yesterday, with Optus Sports. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard this quote before you need to sit down right now don't get me wrong I love Jack Grealish 
But if he was doing this at Man United, Liverpool or City, one of the top clubs, then he'd be up there. Then he'd possibly be a top three player in the league. <laughs> what? Uh, like, where do, where do you want to start with this one? Like, they, Paul, Paul Scholes has basically come out and said, like, yeah, what Jack Grealish is doing is unbelievable. But until I see him doing it with better players around him, until I see him playing with with better forwards who can score the chances that he creates, which is way more than everybody else, then I'll only know that he's good. You know, now that I see him doing all this with Target beside him and with John McGinn and whoever, Ross Barkley around him, I'm still unconvinced. Like, what, 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 where is the logic to this? Like, well, Paul, he's basically said that he's a top three player. But I just need to see him do this exact same thing with better players around him. Well, there is no logic in it because you, you can see him doing it. So you don't need to see him doing it in any other situation. He is currently doing it. That is the evidence that you need. The argument makes no fucking sense. Imagine saying that about a Formula One driver. Like, I don't care how many times he's lapped that Ferrari. We won't know he's a good driver until he gets out of that banger and into a Mercedes. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And you don't even need you don't even need to say that. Just the fact that he is currently doing it is enough. The world was a much better place when Paul Scholes was just a beautiful footballer. You know those halcyon <laughs> days before he completely ruined his legacy by revealing he was a complete muppet. The days when he was praised. Remember that? He was praised from pillar to post for being humble. When in reality, yeah. he was just a grumpy idiot who played football. Well, now he's a fucking grumpy idiot with a load of time on his hands, so wanders into TV studios to make a tit of himself. Like, how can someone with such a beautiful understanding of the game when he's on the pitch not have a fucking clue when he's off it? He had more clarity when there was 21 sweaty athletes running around after him, screaming. 70,000 idiotic Man United fans staring at him. I mean, typically they were in silence, so that was fine. But like, some people are operate a lot better when they're relying on instinct, I suppose. And the last thing you want to do is give them a second to think. <laughs> his his logic in his head, and obviously in the journalist's head, who didn't bother challenging him on it. Imagine asking that question, and Paul Scholes throws that rubbish at you. And you say, yeah, yeah. You, you just agree with it, and then move on to the next question. Who's the fastest player you ever played with? Like, you know, like... <laughs> Well, that that's really disappointing anyway. But in his head, it's you know he needs to be winning trophies is, is one of the one of the arguments. But he needs to be able to deal with the pressure of having to win every week. Jack Grealish has that pressure. Villa do have to win every week. If Grealish wants to stay at his boyhood club, he needs to win every week. If Villa want to progress, they need to win every week. And not only that, they don't win every week. So Grealish then has to respond. And pick it up and go again. Like th- this interview was uh, released on the exact same day that it was two years to the day when Jack Grealish came back from injury in the championship, took the captain's armband for the first time, scored a fucking volley from a corner, set up a, a run of 10 wins in a row with the last 12 games of the season to get Villa into fifth place in the championship won the playoffs, kept them up in the Premier League almost single-handedly, and now has Villa hunting for Europe, and they've lost two games in three without him, the first three games that he hasn't played in 51 matches. 
Like, this is what Jack Grealish is doing with worse players around him at a so-called smaller club. Like, this is the sort of argument where, like, it's it's a a ridiculous argument then. I mean, you know, when people say, could, could Messi do it without Javi around him? Of course he fucking can. Can Grealish do it without Marcus Rashford around him? Of course he can. And, oh, by the way, it happens to look unbelievable as well. Equally as incredible for England. It happens to be England's best player. Now that Gareth Southgate has decided to play him. What a moron. Yeah, the, this idea that he's not doing it in a pressurised situation. The pressure is massively amplified on Jack Grealish because he has to make Villa win. He's Villa's best hope of winning. There's not That pressure doesn't exist at a big club. If Marcus Rashford doesn't do it, then he can rely on Bruno Fernandes. Why the fuck did I pick United? If Mo Salah doesn't do it, then he can rely on Mane to do it. Yeah, You know, the pressure is massively amplified in Jack Grealish because if he doesn't do it, Villa are fucked. And this argument about you have to win trophies to prove that you're a big player, that doesn't prove that you're a big player. It proves that you're at a big club. That's yeah. all that that proves. Yeah, it's um, it is just so disappointing that somebody who was such a smart player is such an idiot. Last one: Will Villa ever score from a set piece ever again? No, I don't think so. Neither do I. That's that's that question answered. I I don't think so either, and I don't even have the stomach to go into it <laughs> <laughs> because all I can see on my fixture list is. Wolves at 5.30 on Saturday. And all I can hear coming out of Dean Smith's mouth is Jack Grealish isn't training yet. Like, oh, where are the follow-up questions to that as well? <laughs> I don't want to be one of these uh, armchair journalists. Maybe I just drag myself along to a press conference considering they're all on Zoom now. But when Dean Smith says, yeah, we're, we're hoping for Jack Smith, or Jack Smith, we're hoping for Jack Grealish to be back soon. Or, uh, yeah, he's not training, it's unlucky. Or when he says he's got a lower leg injury. What is the injury? How long is he out for? Just tell us. I'd rather know. I'd rather know at this stage because this is... Ugh, it doesn't matter. We know he's not playing anyway. I'm just taking me... Dean Smith is a distraction in my anger here now, so I don't mean to get at him. Do you have any words of comfort for me? Villa are a lot better than tonight showed. And... Jack Grealish will eventually play football again. <laughs> perfect. Just perfect. And with that, with that ringing in my ears, sweet dreams, <laughs> we'll see you on Saturday. Jack Grealish will eventually play football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.